Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I'm here with Melissa Orlov, and she is the founder of ADHDmarriage.com and the award-winning author of The ADHD Effect on Marriage and The Couple's Guide to Thriving with ADHD. How are you, Melissa? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Okay, so explain to us what ADHD can look like in a marriage. Well, so uh, I work with adults, uh, couples impacted by uh, adult ADHD, and um, it's uh, it's something that uh, really leads many couples to struggle, mostly because adult ADHD is still something that's not as diagnosed as it should be. So a lot of people have the symptoms, but they don't realize that that's what's going on. And so it creates a lot of confusion in the relationship. Uh, things don't seem to make sense. The one partner promises to do things, but then doesn't follow up and you can't figure out why because they really wanted to follow up, things like that. Um, and puts a lot of pressure on the relationship. And uh, there are these patterns that are very predictable because of the specific symptoms of ADHD and also the responses to those symptoms. And so um, couples who learn about those patterns can do quite well. So what are some of those patterns? Well, so um, one of them is actually misinterpreting the symptoms. One of the great things, if you can get an evaluation and you determine that, in fact, you do have adult ADHD, that takes some pressure off, um, Mm -hmm. both because it gives you a path for figuring out how to better manage those symptoms, but also it helps the other partner understand what's going on. Uh, as one example, if your partner is chronically distracted, which is the number one symptom of adult ADHD, uh, and, uh, and therefore isn't paying very much attention to you, you start to feel as if your partner doesn't love you, uh, or you might feel lonely in the relationship. Um, and, and then the response to that is to try to get more attention, uh, often not in a very positive way. Uh, sometimes as it goes on and on and people get more frustrated, it's yelling or it's, you know, really demand demanding attention and that the other partner then sort of goes and hides. If you know it's ADHD and it's a symptom, A, you can, the ADHD partner can manage that symptom better, but B, you can respond differently. Uh, for example, by saying, gee, you seem particularly distracted this week and I'm feeling a little bit disengaged from you. Let's go out for a date. And then suddenly you've got a very different interaction. Um, so that's that's one of the patterns. And there are others. Um, a lot of issues around whether chores are getting done, tasks that aren't very interesting. That's not a sweet spot for people who have ADHD. Um, a lot of... Um, dynamics between the partners in terms of who's in charge and who's not. Um, I call that parent-child dynamics. And it's about one partner being a parent and the other behaving more in a childlike role. Um, things like that, that um, are show up almost inevitably in these relationships, particularly if you don't know about the ADHD. And that parent-child relationship sounds so difficult and hard and familiar and I know will be familiar to so many of our uh, listeners. Can you dive into that a bit more? Yeah, sure. The um, the parent-child 
um, uh, dynamic is really quite toxic for the relationship for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, you can move away from it, but you have to know that it's there and take specific steps to do so. Um, it typically develops as the ADHD partner, um, for example, makes a lot of promises and then doesn't follow through uh, and uh, is sort of underperforming, if you want to think about it, in the relationship in terms of how, how they're engaging with their partner and how they're engaging with the responsibilities that, uh, that the couple has. Uh, and the other partner um, tries to compensate for that and typically... Um, that either more organized ADHD partner or what I call non-ADHD partner um, uh, does at first says, oh, this is easy for me. I'll just do it. Mm-hmm. And they do that. But then over time, and particularly with the addition of a family, if you choose to have a family, the tasks just become too great. And it leads to a lot of resentment. It leads to a sense on that person's part that, oh, I have to do this because I know my partner won't. And then uh, often to um, either low or high level emotional abuse of that partner, you know, um, really um, demanding and and sometimes very negative ways of interacting with that partner. And then the other partner has the response of becoming a defensive. So it, it just is this downward spiral. It's very unsexy. It's It disconnects the partners. There's all sorts of things that really make it a very difficult pattern for couples to be in. And not a lot of people talk about a parent-child relationship within a marriage or romantic context. And I wish people did because in the work of, you know, a narcissistic relationship or some type of emotionally abusive relationship, the parent-parent partner is in control and the, you know, the child partner has to answer to the, to the controlling partner. So, um, I'm so glad that you mentioned that, um, and I've seen it a lot in a lot of different contexts, and I wish it was something we talked more to teens about, because especially if you get married young or you meet someone young, you have teachers in authority, college professors in authority, parents in authority, and then you end up in, in a relationship where they act as if they're your authority, and it can be really easy to slip into. Yeah, and it's and it is really toxic. I mean, for the person who's in that lower status childlike role, um, it's a really diminishing position to be in. You end up not speaking uh, about your issues or your desires or your needs. Uh, you end up feeling put down because the other person is is essentially by controlling the relationship. The other person is telling you you're not competent enough to have uh, have an equal say. And that's not what they're trying to tell you. What they're trying to say from their side is, I'm really frustrated that you're not doing X. <laughs> and so, and, and I want you to start doing X. But of course, if you, if ADHD is there and the symptoms are what's getting in the way, you have to actually address those symptoms, learn to manage the ADHD in order to be able to step up. It isn't that the ADHD partner doesn't want to step up. It's that they haven't yet built the skill set that allows them to fill in the blank, uh, manage their distractibility, uh, stay organized enough or have a system enough, remember to do the thing that they've promised to do. There has to be some kind of scheduling or reminder system in place. 
These are all very basic strategies, but really important strategies when ADHD happens to be the factor that's contributing to this dynamic. And I agree with you, ADHD isn't the only time that you get the parent-child dynamic, um, but it is certainly, um, it, you know, again, knowing about the ADHD provides a specific path for getting out of the dynamic. It is my pet peeve when women say, oh, I'm, you know, I have four kids, three are underage, and then my husband. I hate <laughs> when women say that. Oh, it just like cringes in my soul. Yeah. And I will tell you that that's actually, so I teach therapists how to work with couples impacted by adult ADHD. And that's actually one of the clues that ADHD mm -hmm. may actually be there. And also, if you have a child with ADHD, it is heritable. So it's likely that one of the parents also should be evaluated to see whether they have ADHD as well. So, um, but when somebody says, yeah, I feel like I have another child, um, that dynamic is, is likely present. So how do you open up a conversation about ADHD? If you're, someone's listening to this and they're thinking, oh my gosh, how did I miss this? I, I think this could be me. How, you know, what are your steps after that process? Well, so it depends on who wants to open the conversation. If it is the person that thinks they themselves might have ADHD, um, the path is to figure out whether that's the case, to do a little bit of research. There's some good books right now, including Ned Hallowell and John Rady just came up with uh, a new book, ADHD 2.0, um, which I think is really terrific. Uh, it's about adult ADHD. Um, and so that's a good starting place. Do a little research, see if actually it does seem to fit, and then go get an evaluation. ADHD often uh, goes in tandem with other things like anxiety and depression and substance issues and things like that. So getting a full evaluation helps you understand where to start. Uh, if it's the person who doesn't have the ADHD, that's a trickier um, uh, way to get into it. Because as soon as you say, hey, I think you have ADHD, <laughs> if you say it the wrong way, the partner just feels like you're blaming them for all of the struggles that you're going through. And most people don't want to be labeled by somebody else. Um, so it, it has to be a very gentle conversation with soft starts, maybe one where particularly if you have a child with ADHD, if you are learning about ADHD through the child's experience, that's a very good entree as that other adult learns about it, they may see themselves in it and you don't actually have to say anything at all. That happens a lot. Um, but if your partner is resistant to hearing about the ADHD, if you say, hey, it's possible that this is something that might be going on, um, I, I have a few strategies. One is in my first book, there's a chapter about patterns. And I say to people, go find a couple patterns that reflect on your relationship and also on you personally, not just on your partner. Read a couple of paragraphs aloud, see if that's useful. You know, the sort of, hey, listen to this <laughs> thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, or focus in on the issues rather than on the label and the need to mm. address the issues um, because it's the label that tends to get people all excited and, and defensive. So what is the difference between a relationship that's pretty easy to save, lots of hard work to save, but it's possible, or, you know, truly it's turned into a very toxic situation. Whatever the starting point was, it's now developed into something that probably um, uh, safety first, you know, emotional and 
physical safety first. Can you kind of give us the levels of each of yeah, those? Well, I mean, so there is a continuum here for sure. And I think one of the issues with the ADHD symptoms is if you're not managing them, they don't go away. You have them. In fact, it, you don't cure ADHD, you manage ADHD. So the people who are in the relatively easy to uh, deal with ADHD in the relationship often haven't been in their relationship for very long. And so they haven't developed a lot of the patterns. So they, if they learn about the patterns, if they learn how important it is to better manage the ADHD and get the communications going, um, those are the ones that are the easiest. Uh, the ones that are sort of the majority of what I see are people who've been struggling for quite a long time. They have some entrenched negative coping strategies, including the parent-child dynamic, and they have work to do. They have to both acknowledge their own role um, they have to take on managing their own issues. You know, the person who's doing the parenting has work to do as well as the ADHD partner. Um, but they, but it still can, um, certainly can be addressed, um, for many of those couples and many of the couples that, uh, that I see do in fact turn things around, um, and are grateful to be able to do it. Then there are the people who are in the really truly toxic relationships where there's also something else going on, um, mm -hmm. like, a longstanding affair, a substance abuse issue that the person doesn't want to take on, or either partner is unwilling to recognize their role. And I, I like to tell people it's not ADHD that causes divorce. It's actually denial that you have a role to play in fixing the relationship that causes divorce. Um, but if there is something that is in the sort of moral, ethical, uh, you know, certainly emotional abuse, physical abuse, uh, that kind of stuff, those are those are just straight toxic stuff. And it's not so much about ADHD, could be related, but it's not so much about ADHD as it is about other issues that the person is bringing forward. Those are harder to fix. Um, and, and so, you know, the vast majority of couples, I think, are in that middle group. You said something about, you know, fixing it early and, you know, uh, or the hard work is in, you know, somewhat seeing it and going from there. And if I had a magic wand and I could change something about humanity, it would be, um, you know, if it's not working, try something else. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so often we just get in these grooves of like, okay, it's not working. I'm going to keep doing it. And then I'm going to keep trying the same thing. And then I'm going to try the same thing. And yeah. it's, well, so one of the one of the interesting places I've been giving a lot of thought to lately, that is a trap for couples impacted by ADHD, um, is that when you look at a partner who has ADHD, um, I mean, first of all, we fall in love with these people, these partners, because they're energetic, they're creative, they've got, they're just wonderful, happy people to be around in lots of ways. Uh, and when you look at these people, you see all of their potential. This is the same comment that people get, uh, like kids with ADHD get in school. You know, Johnny could do so much better if he would only try harder or whatever. And so you focus on the potential rather than on what's actually happening in the relationship, which is that you're speaking disrespectfully to each other or um, that, that a partner is really struggling to complete things or that there's starting to be resentment or whatever it is. And, and if you don't, if you just focus on the potential, it's a trap. Um, mm -hmm. The potential is there, but it has to be a part of each of you 
thinking about how you put yourself into that relationship, including managing the ADHD and those responses. So the early people, those who are willing to say, gee, this, even as much as I love you and as much potential as there is, there's something that's not quite right here. Those are the people who do really well. The people who mm-hmm. just sort of brush it under the rug and say, you know, my partner doesn't really do any of this stuff and, and I'm just going to do it. And yeah, I'm starting to feel resentful, but I'm sure it'll get fixed if I just mm-hmm. ask enough. Those are the people who struggle, continue to struggle and then move into that middle group. Hmm, absolutely. Well, um, okay, Melissa, tell people where they can find out more about you, more about your work, more about your book. I think you have a, a masterclass or something to offer them. So tell us where we can find out more. I do. So my website is adhdmarriage.com and it's a huge website now. It's got a ton of information on it. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, I also offer um, support services for uh, for people. Um, I'm booked right at the moment in terms of taking on couples, but uh, I do have a very good eight-week seminar that I give by Zoom that a lot of couples have taken. It's quite good, uh, not particularly expensive. So, um, uh, so that's a really good resource for people, plus my two books and um, – and I have a blog and I mean, I blog there. I blog at Psychology Today. I've got a bunch of different places that people can sort of read my information. And I also give um, support groups and and some virtual office hours. I mean, I'm pretty easy to get hold of. I don't always respond within 24 hours, but, you know, you can contact me through the website and find out more information and et cetera. So lots of ways I try to make myself as available as I can. So. If you got to broadcast your voice for a minute to the entire world and say one thing that you wish everyone knew, what would you say? I would say that ADHD, adult ADHD has a huge impact on relationships, but that it doesn't have to be a disaster. Even if you're really struggling right now, learning about uh, what the ADHD brings and what responses to ADHD bring um, means that you can, in fact, dramatically improve your relationship. Uh, and so you should dig in and see what happens. I love it. Melissa, thank you so much. You guys check her out at ADHDmarriage.com. And Melissa, thank you for helping us on our journey to becoming toxic person proof. Thank you for having me join you. Have you ever wished, oh, I wish I could just work with Sarah. If so, go right now to sarahkramsey.com. Check out the program section and see if the Wondrous Woman program is right for you. I help people reconnect with what's right with them, become toxic person proof, and design lives they're excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live, there's tons of support, and most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof. 